down in the champagne against the boat because we are off. Welcome to the debut episode of I've Heard It Both Ways, brought to you by anybody but State Farm. <laughs> you may not know how you got here or whatever link of a link you clicked on to be listening to us, but we're glad to have you. I'm Kendall Marshall Jr. the third, paired alongside Fro Yo Ma, but we'll just call him Ben for today. So Froyo, we finally have the NBA Finals set. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, last night we had Game 7 of the West Finals. Golden State comes back from the 11-point halftime deficit to win, 101-92. And honestly, if you didn't think Golden State was at least going to make a run at it, you're crazy. Because Houston looked the better team the first half, obviously, but didn't end up that way. Well, that's interesting because I feel like Golden State doesn't start playing till the third quarter. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like, We knew the run was coming. It was just like, will the Rockets be it's able to weather it? impending doom. You know? yeah. I was sitting there as cheerleading for the Rockets. I'm like, I know that there's going to be a run. And see, Houston's got to withstand it. And then cheering, cheering for the Warriors, I was like, oh, here comes the run. Here comes the run. And I just started laughing once it happened because it's just an avalanche. But before, like, before we get too far into it, do you think there's a different outcome if CP3 plays? Uh, I think there definitely is. Just looking from their three wins in games, what, two, four, and five? Chris Paul was the best player on the floor for either side, I feel like. You know, he definitely influenced the game. Okay, but they did lose by 40 with him on the floor as well, so. I I, I mean, I agree. I agree. They definitely, there's definitely a different outcome, or the game goes differently. I'm not saying Houston wins automatically, but it's definitely closer with Chris Paul. But again, the Warriors beat him twice with Chris Paul, so. That's true, but I felt like the series had shifted at that point. They had won two of the... I don't know, maybe Andre Iguodala was the reason, mm-hmm. which I feel is ridiculous. But this is something that I was thinking... Well, uh, hold up. On the Andre Iguodala thing, um, the, the Warriors just have no depth on the wings. So losing Iguodala hurts a lot just because they don't have competent wing players. Because they were forced to play uh, Queen Cook at the end of Game 6, which they didn't want to do. Well, he missed that wide open three. I yeah, mean, that, that was that's bad. A well, as soon as he bobbled that catch, I was like, this game's over. Yeah. So I do think the Iguodala injury hurts him, just not nearly as much as Chris Paul. But anyways. So when I was thinking about this, um, I was looking at the Warriors' playoff runs, and they'd always <coughs> seemed to be facing a team that was facing a major injury. Like, look back at 2015, Kevin Love isn't in the finals. Kyrie gets hurt in game one. Well, didn't Conley miss some time uh, in the Grizzlies series, too? I, he was in and out of time that okay. series. Yeah, I, I couldn't a- remember. Anyways. But yeah, that was the major one. Um, another major one in 2017. I think they had a few like George Hill with the Jazz, but also Kawhi getting hurt in the conference finals. Oh, I I will never forgive Zaza for I, that. I mean, I really freaking I will Zaza. hold that like I hold North Carolina would win if Kendall Marshall didn't get hurt. That's not true, but you're welcome to think but that. But I hold that Kawhi would the Spurs would have won there. North Carolina would have beaten <laughs> Anthony Davis in that. We're just rewriting season. history here. Yep, but. That's what injuries do. Okay. And then also, this go to this year, I don't know how much of an impact it would have been, but Boogie wasn't in round two with the Pelicans. Um, I Personally, I think the Pelicans played better without Boogie. Cause, but it would have been fun because the Warriors' centers are all trash. So it would have been yeah, fun to see, so see Boogie a, and AD take on Zaza and Javal. Yeah, and <laughs> Javale, then, they're, whatever. then they're down 3-2 and CP3's out. And so I think that's just... Interesting. The only Warriors series that stands out to me is that OKC one when they came back from 3-1 in 2016. So I guess the whole point of this is you never know what really happened, what's really going to happen. Yeah, and so I feel like that's just a chink in the armor when we talk about like 
a Warriors dynasty. Like, although well, ever... going back to Iguodala, though, not having Iguodala meant they had to play Nick Young a lot of minutes too, and that's a train wreck. So, yeah. but I, I mean, you, you you win this one because CP3 <laughs> being missing definitely is is a little bit more important than Nick Young playing big minutes. Yeah. So. But so getting into the the actual game though, would would you say it was more what Golden State did to win or what Houston didn't do? Um, I would definitely say it was the confidence of the Rockets down the stretch. So Golden State lost more than, or excuse me, Houston lost more than Golden State winning. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. See, when I when you're watching the game, when you watched Game Seven last night, who would you say were the players that stood out for Houston? Uh, like Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker, probably. Yeah, that's what I'd say. And I mean, if I told you that a week ago that the best players for the Rockets were going to be Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker in Game Seven, they you would have thought they had no chance. Pretty much. Exactly. So uh, Gordon had 22 points. He was 7 for 10 from 2. I mean, nobody can make a 3 for the Rockets. But Do you think we'll ever see something like that again? Just 27 straight missed threes? No, I think that was... And it's not like they were all contested threes, too. They had so many open threes, they just bricked. And you have, like, historically one of the greatest three-point shooting teams that does that. I mean, if they make four... If they go four for 27 in that stretch, they're still shooting 12%. (laughs) And they couldn't even do that. And say oh they goodness. say with Eric Gordon attacking, and then they have Trevor Reason knock down one of those nine three pointers. What was he? Zero for nine, zero for twelve, something, something like, like that. that. And he makes two of those, and all of a sudden, I think like, I think Tucker was game. the only player to shoot better than forty or forty percent or better from three. He was two of five. I don't think anybody else was even close to that percentage wise. Yeah, I mean it was crazy. It was ugly. See, and see, that's what I want to touch on is P.J. Tucker was the MVP of the series for the Rockets for a while. But, I mean, I mean, when you looked at him, he was on the floor. He was getting loose balls. I mean, how many offensive rebounds did he have? 12, off, or excuse me, 12 rebounds total, 8 offensive. And he's listed at 6'5". See, and that's crazy. I mean, I mean the, you can't trust, like, Google for player listings because KD's listed as, like, 6'9". But KD's height changes daily, I guess. So, <laughs> But, I mean, he's not the tallest. He's not even close to the tallest guy on the floor. Yeah, and he was, get, and he was getting it, like, under the basket where these long ricochets uh-huh. off the rim. I mean, it was he was boxing out. Oh, KD was getting his butt kicked yeah. on the boards in the first half. It was hilarious. And I think there was a couple in the fourth quarter where P.J. Tucker was like, wow, I'm su- I remember you saying, oh, wow, I'm surprised Tucker didn't get that ball. Literally every loose ball, like I expected Tucker to at least get a hand on it before anyone else. Yeah, and it was, which I think is just crazy. Uh, P.J. Tucker is one of those guys you want on your team. Um, like well, no matter what, well, he's like he's the kind of guy that Houston brought in specifically for a series like this. Like you know, they, yeah. we heard all season this team was built to beat the Warriors, but it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, I know. See, that's what I find crazy is they had all these glue guys and people that were specialty players to beat the Warriors, and then when it went down the stretch, they lost because they didn't have that centerpiece that showed up that they were building around. So it's like you can have the great supporting cast of all time, but no matter what's going to happen, you need the star. Like if you're going to see a movie, you're not going to watch it because Jimmy Simpson, who's a terrific actor. <laughs> shouts, ter- to, shouts to Marion Syke. Marion Syke, Westworld, he's incredible. I mean, one of my favorite actors, but he's not going to bring home the goods. I mean, you need the Matthew McConaughey, Jennifer Lawrence for it to be a box office success. I mean, they're the people that you're going to go see. And so when James Harden just disappeared in the fourth quarter, it was like having Jimmy Simpson, a supporting character, carry the freaking movie. So does does that make the Warriors Ocean's Eleven? 
<laughs> I guess. I mean, curry. Let's see. Curry would be Clooney. Uh, <laughs> KD would be Brad Pitt. Clay Thompson's, Clay Matt, Thompson's Damon. Matt Damon because they're both <laughs> overqualified for what they're doing there. I just want to know who, who gets to be Don Cheadle because that's the luckiest man alive. Steve Kerr then. Steve Kerr. Ugh, I don't like Steve Kerr's Don Cheadle. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't deserve to be Don Cheadle. Let's yeah. let's be honest. I still believe that if Steve Kerr takes that next job, he is no longer an NBA coach. Well, I remember when Derek Fisher took that job. I was like, yeah, this is going to end poorly. Yeah. Even, even when they hired Phil Jackson, like this is totally off topic, but I remember thinking everyone was like, oh, Phil Jackson, he's got all this experience and all these rings. It's like, do we know, does Phil Jackson really know how to like build and run a team? Phil Jackson. I, oh, Phil. Great coach, but was very blessed. <laughs> and so is Steve Kerr. I think Steve Kerr, he love his offense, honestly. I love mm-hmm. that he kind of has a little Phil Jackson in his offense as well. Um, but... Great coach, but he wouldn't be if he went to Golden State. If he didn't go to Golden State, I should say. Um, but yeah, that, circling back, that's my, that's my <laughs> I, point. I could tackle Ocean's Eleven all, all day, honestly. Don Cheadle all day. But anyways. Yeah, that's my point. It's a star-driven league. So, like, James Harden, I, I actually was more of a fan of him this series than I had been in the past because at points you could see what he wanted to do, but then he just kind of laid back and I don't know if it was fatigue or if he was just like he, he was getting to the rim literally every almost every trip that he wanted to anytime he wanted to attack he would make he would get to the rim he could finish or he would kick out when they had open three for Tucker in the corner or reason in the corner and I think a lot I think that circles back to the CP3 thing I think um having CP3 this year um was allowed James Harden to take possessions off mm-hmm. um and that's why they were able to win 65 games because Every five possessions, James Harden would be like, okay, CP3's got your, the next your turn. three. You got this. Yeah, exactly. And I think that hurt him in game six. I think it, it was apparent in game six and seven. Well, yeah, and you know, and like on the other side of the coin, obviously, the Warriors, I mean, KD hit some crazy shots in the second half. Like there was one with like, I don't know, five or six minutes left. Shot clock was winding down, and he was 30 feet from the basket, just pulls up over Harden and just cans Oh, it. yeah. It was, and it was like, that was, it was a terrible set for the Warriors. They did nothing for 20 seconds, and then KD just bailed them out. You know, Steph did Steph things in the third quarter. Uh, Clay was really efficient in the five minutes he played when he wasn't in foul trouble. But, you know, you need your stars to carry the freight, and Houston's didn't really in the second half. Well, Harden didn't. He's the one star, obviously. Yeah, and, see, I, I feel like we already touched on what Harden's doing because I, I think we both agree Harden is the MVP this year. Um, I feel like the well, looking at that based on that look, I don't know if you agree with that. <laughs> no, I, I do. I just I think the MVP award is kind of it's kind of a weird award. Yeah, I agree too because I that's, think that's it's another, the most valuable player. It's going to be like LeBron. We can talk like, about every, every it's year. That's, that's another. I say it's the most outstanding season. Like, also, I'd like to say I just like to say Kawhi should have won MVP last year, but anyways, I agree. I agree with that one too. I mean. Anyways, okay. <laughs> Just because triple, triple doubles are so important nowadays. Well, they were for a season, then everyone kind of came back down to like, earth. Oh, wait a second. Why, are we, the, why yeah. are we assigning so much importance to these arbitrary stat lines? Yeah, but that's kind of the point is in the NBA, you need a star you can pe- depend on down the stretch. And I thought James Harden was going to be ready for that. Um, but he obviously wasn't. Like, if you look at the over in the East, you had a team that had no supporting cast pretty much. Kyle Korver was like the Cavs' second best player in half the game. And honestly, he was awful in game seven. He, had that, I mean, he made like, one three. Yeah, it was a crazy three, but... 
Luckily, Jeff Green was there to show up. I mean, credit to him. I've always been a fan of Jeff oh, Green. We are, we are a pro-Georgetown podcast. <laughs> and definitely a fan of what Jeff Green did. And I kind of, I was thinking that he would be the guy to step up when he got the starting role there. But when you look down the stretch, it was, okay, LeBron's going to do LeBron things. And then the Celtics were looking around, okay, um, Jason Tatum, are you ready for this moment? I mean, he was good in flashes. Like, oh, um, that dunk over LeBron, are you kidding me? I have that, I'm going to have that like painted on my wall at home. I'm, oh my gosh. That'd be, and do you notice so how awesome. ESPN, like, they only replayed it like once or twice? Like, when LeBron dunks on someone or blocks someone, they replay it from every camera they have in the building. And it's like, hey, LeBron just got dunked on. And Mark Jackson had to call for a replay. Did you notice that? Oh, it was so frustrating. That's funny, actually. Like, Mark Jackson was like, can we get a replay? I don't remember exactly what he said, but whereas if LeBron was doing the dunking, you know, we'd never hear the end of it. Oh, yeah, I think that's very interesting. I I digress. (laughs) But what's cool about that dunk, is like, that's his idol that I just dunked on. Mm -hmm. It was like if I went and drove past Steve Nash did behind the back pass. (laughs) That would be the It'd be like if I crossed, I crossed then, up Allen Iverson. Yeah, and then I go and freaking run into Steve Nash over it. <laughs> like, can you imagine like, what was going through Tatum's head right there? Like, I think he was just so hopped up on the moment, and then afterwards he's like, what did I just do? I know. <laughs> Which has happened. If Jason Tatum um, meant to run into LeBron, I think he kind of did. Oh, he definitely, LeBron definitely. was very forgiving. I mean, they had a nice conversation at the end of the game. I hate those. I hate those. <laughs> I like I I kind of get what's going on. I guess like you know this is the next generation respect for the game, all that nonsense. But I hate those conversations. But in LeBron's defense, he was inviscerated for leaving in the finals. Oh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like trying to rip LeBron. No, oh, we'll definitely no, have plenty of time those. for that later. But. <laughs> but like doing those, just walking out. Like I think it's. Oh yeah, yeah I, I I don't mind those things at all. All right, now you're just making me look bad. You're right, you're right. Anyways, back to the the series, Eastern Conference Finals. It was like it was one star versus no stars, basically, because Tatum was good in flashes, but he, you know, it's, you can't really count on a 20 year old rookie. Boston was basically just like a an all NBA glue guy team, if that makes any sense. So, uh, Which that's kind of a fun idea. That, that's an interesting point. Like if you could put an all NBA glue guy. Glue guy group, I don't know, utility player no. team together. Um, who would you put on that team? Well, let's like, let's like define a glue guy. I feel like it's someone that doesn't, maybe doesn't score a ton. Like their impact isn't super noticeable on a stat, you know, like watching the game or on a stat sheet. But, yeah, but they just make, like they just what make a difference. Tucker did in game seven, you mm-hmm. know, he had all the rebounds. Um, yeah, it was very interesting. Like I was looking at some PJ Tucker stats because. Uh, I loved what he did this series. I mean, I thought he was awful in Toronto last year. Um, got destroyed by LeBron, but... No shame in that, honestly. <laughs> but what he did last night in the last few weeks, he was incredible. Like, I was looking at his plus and minus. I'm just going to throw out a few numbers. So, these are the plus and minus of four players. Um, and it was 25, 5, 37, and 43 in the Rockets' wins. So... Who would you say are those four players with those plus minus? Mm, I don't know. I just have a hunch that one of them is P.J. Tucker. No doubt. <laughs> P.J. Tucker, uh, I don't know, Ariza, Chris Paul, and Harden. Yeah, so what I had was the 43 was P.J. Tucker. In the okay. wins, he was like plus 22, plus 7, plus 14. And last night, he was only minus 1. 
that was probably okay. the best one. Yeah, and that was and that was the best on the team. I'm almost positive about it. Um, then Eric Gordon was at 37 in the wins. Um, had that huge game too. And that was pretty much most of his stats. And then Harden had a huge game too as well. Um, he was plus 22. And then game four minus five, and game five plus eight. And this is one that I thought was interesting. Going back to Chris Paul, I mean, I think we can both agree he was the best player in Game Five down the stretch. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, but his plus minus was minus thirteen. That's the thing is you can't always trust plus minus because I remember yeah. in one of the the Jazz Thunder games, Donovan Mitchell one, he went off like three times, but one of the games they won or barely lost, I can't remember, but he was like minus ten, even though he literally carried the Jazz for stretches. So yeah, you can't trust plus minus plus or minus too much. Uh, I I agree with that, but I think that's kind of what brings out a utility player. Mm-hmm. Are those it gives you an plays. idea? That it, makes sense. It's more important for a uh, utility player. For those plus minus than it is for a star. star. The star is going to be on the floor for a while. That makes sense. And the, so I thought that plus forty three for Tucker. He was by far the best. These, these stats brought to you not by State Farm. <laughs> Anybody so anyways, but we're, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Anybody but freaking Oscar. <laughs> I retroactively hate hate uh, the Office now just because of those stupid State Farm commercials. You can't hate the Office. Oh, okay. I'm trying. Um, okay, so we got PJ Tucker on our glue guy team. I, I would say, like, Marcus Smart, but he's he's too mainstream at this point. This is kind of a, a hipster team. Well, I was reading an article um, today is that – so it's a contract year for Marcus Smart. Uh-huh. Um, and he's asking for, like, 12 to $13 million a year. He'll be a restricted free agent, I'm pretty sure. But uh, if, you're, if you're Boston, do you let him go or do you keep him? I don't know what the market's going to be, though, because, like, not very many teams have, like, both cap space and who want to use it on a guy like Smart this year. Yeah, see, that, that's why I wonder if – Wondering if someone would like just take a risk on Smart because he's been kind of that he's been a glue guy. I mean, an overpublicized glue mm-hmm. guy, um, but he's kind of has that reputation. Although the thing is, because sometimes even Brad Stevens can't rein him in, and if Brad Stevens can't <laughs> rein him in, like who can? That, that is very true. So, so I, I don't think he's going to get quite that much. Okay, that's fair. And then I'd say Iggy's another one of those kind of glue guys that are above the scale. Uh-huh. Um, who else? Two. I would throw Fred Van Vliet on there. Preventively, I think he made a huge Huge, difference when he was on the floor in the Wizards series versus when he couldn't play. Mm -hmm. They're completely different. Well, even just during the regular season. I mean, for Toronto, I feel like you have to focus more (laughs) on the regular season because another disastrous playoff appearance. But Van Vliet would be on there. Yeah, and I honestly love Van Vliet. I'd want to put Joe Ingles on there because... Joe Ingles is like my third favorite NBA player right yeah, now, but he's he he's and, too big now. Well, and he took on like a way bigger role for the Jazz too. Like he was running a lot of pick and rolls, bringing the ball up a lot. But oh, yeah, and, that, and that's something that I really in, enjoyed. Jingles is he is a great passer. He's, yeah. I mean, he makes smart plays. I wish I could put his IQ in James Harden's head. Oh my gosh, they'd have to fold the league. <laughs> so who? I mean, who else are we gonna put on here? Um, I, I we're both huge fans of this play. I think you have to put. Kyle Slow Mo Anderson. On oh my there. gosh, he should have been the first person we said. I, what he does. I mean, I've loved him from UCLA days. Just I, like I remember when you introduced me to him, and I was like, I, "This is this was the thing that was missing in my life that I didn't even know was missing." <laughs> I know, and it was interesting because he played alongside um, Jordan Adams, who was who was drafted higher than him for no reason. But I think we were watching that draft mm-hmm. together, and the, the Spurs had like the last pick yeah, in the first round because they were just coming off the championship. And he was like, oh, Spurs won the draft. Oh. 
And then Slow-mo. yeah, and then he, he goes into the summer league and he just dominates. I mean, he was dominant in the summer league, he's a rookie year, and then he, of course he's sat on the bench for how many years? And he's finally getting a role um, with the Spurs, and I think it's just going to increase as time goes on. Him and Dejounte Murray, Bryn Forbes in the backcourt. I think the Spurs are in a great spot, like in that backcourt with LA. I think that'll be. I think that this year was kind of a fluke. If they're able to get Kawhi back, it's going to be... I think here, they're going to be... Here's a, here's a question about slow-mo, because you'll never find bigger slow-mo fans than us, but do you think he would be m- more effective if he was more athletic? Like, it sounds like a dumb question, but I'm thinking about it, like... Because I feel like his his like his lack of, like, crazy speed and athleticism kind of throws people off, and that helps him get an edge. What do you think? <laughs> that is a very... I'm not really Because it's really counterintuitive. Like, with, uh, <laughs> like, you always want to be bigger, faster, stronger, whatever, but... I think it's more he's deceptively athletic. Like, right, he like has that. that length, but he doesn't really use it a lot. Like, it's just kind of, he's going around, but then all of a sudden when you're going up for a layup, he's outreaching, he's outreaching every guy. And I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, because again, it's really counterintuitive to think, well, yeah, he would be way more effective. It's, he, he wouldn't be effective. Who wouldn't be effective with more speed and athleticism yeah, but he plays with it i feel like people underestimate him and then he can use that against them. yeah the athleticism within himself because you're used, you're used to guarding people who are just going faster and harder than him and then when you're guarding him like oh i got this and then he just like slides around you and ah he should have made like third team all nba <laughs> like whoever voted for trevor ariza as an all nba which was probably zach Lowe, but whatever <laughs> I love Over that. 12, Trevor Reed, and <laughs> that, that vote, everyone. That vote should have gone to, to slow-mo. No, no doubt in sh- my mind. We should be able to split that. Whoever voted for Trevor Reed said they should revoke <laughs> voting privileges. Give, their, and we give should it get to that. us. We will at some point. Just kidding. Give it Zach Lowe. I'm okay with it because Zach Lowe is my favorite. But anyways. All right. Who else we got? Mm. Well, we were going to say Ariza. We could say Ariza, I should say. But he got that mega column by Zach Lowe, so he's ineligible. He's too mainstream. I would go with Kelly Olynyk, which pains me to say because I've always hated Olynyk. Like watching him for the Heat this year on like on League Pass, he does a lot of just like small things, just like screens. You know, he, he can he doesn't take bad shots. He's willing to do the dirty work like rebounds, post defense. Like he's an okay post defender. He's an okay defender for how unathletic he is. Yeah, I saw him. And that's like, like a key glue guy thing. I feel like. Yeah, I saw him in the playoffs. Like that was only much of the Heat I saw this year. Um, but last year with the Celtics, he, he was kind of that guy, and mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of him either, just because he looks like a, <laughs> oh gosh, Canadian um, Canadian Jesus. And there you go. Yeah, exactly. And it's just and Gonzaga whole oh, struggle there. Gonzaga. I'm glad Wichita Wichita State who beat him in the in the second round. Yeah, yeah in the second it round. Salt Lake. Oh, that was in Salt Lake. Good. Yep. Yep. I remember that. Still very happy about that. That's why Root he just he plays within himself is the thing. I got I I. I he gets the most out of what he has, which is what he won. He won my respect, which like it would have killed me to say that. Now I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm okay with living in a world where Olenek is a contributing NBA player. Okay, that, never would have guessed I would have said that. <laughs> yeah, then, one more. We got one more spot. Um, one more. The name popped in my brain. I think it's kind of a low key because he's totally ineffective on the offensive <laughs> end. I mean, he had the ball in the East Finals, and if he turned and looked at the hoop, he had a dunk. <laughs> but was looking around. But I think Aaron Baines. Uh, Aaron Baines is one of those guys that just he's. He's a force inside. He's going to beat you around. I mean, I think he took some of the pressure off of Horford in a way. Because he, he brought like that he muscle. Make, yeah, it didn't make Horford have to be physical because that's not his game. Mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I think Aaron Baines, he, he'll get you what. Although although Baines is one of those guys that like, if you take him away from Brad Stevens and put him on a crappy team, like 
he's not. Yeah, he's not gonna be. But he's like Olenek. He's like he's doing the best with what he has, I guess. So. Yeah, he's not. And he hit a couple corner threes, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't. I don't remember when the last one was. It was probably in the Philly series, but. Yeah, and another one I know we go back and forth on this one, but I was looking at Will Barton's stats for Denver. He and he's increasingly improved in every single year. He has fourteen five and five. I feel like he's. Not exactly that glue guy, but he could be mentioned in this. I wouldn't put him on the I, all team. You know, I sometimes forget that Denver even has a team. So, <laughs> plus, like his nickname is Will Thrill Barton, and that's just stupid. Okay, that's fair. So, I, sorry, I'll give sorry, you Will Barton. I'll give you that one. Okay, um, man, where were we? That was a good side topic. Uh, bringing it back to the oh yeah players. yeah okay okay um, so the most final part of a championship I think is you want those utility players, but you need the meat and potatoes. You need that star power. I mean, we go back to the you Cavs your, win. You need your, your Brad Pitts and your George Clooney's and your... Just go watch Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> and so you need that one star. And pretty much what boiled down to Game 7 down the stretch with the Celtics and Cavs was it was one star versus zero stars, right? Mm-hmm. I mean... Like the collective talent of Boston was probably more than in Cleveland's. Oh, I don't think that's... In question. Yeah, but then, but just LeBron himself was equal to like four Celtics. So, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, when you're looking at Al Horford, is supposed to be the guy. I mean, he had a great beginning of the series. Well, he's like the most experienced, by far the most experienced player on the Celtics too. So it it would have been appropriate for him to step in, like, okay, guys, I got this. I'm the I'm the man. But that's not who Al Horford is. Yeah. That, it's very true. He's kind of that overqualified utility player. Like he's be better than your average utility player, but he's not good enough to be the the main man on a team. Yeah, I mean, when Tristan Thompson shut him down for big stretches in that game, I can't figure out Tristan Thompson because he was so bad the entire regular season, where he like didn't play for stretches, and then in the playoffs he didn't play in chunks of that Indiana series. Game seven of the Indiana series comes alive. And then he's just kind of like, you just never know what you're going to get from him. And I think that's what's very interesting about the NBA. It's all about matchups. It's um, like going back to the Rockets series. A huge part of that was when Ryan Anderson got in. They attacked him. It took him a minute, though. Like, the first couple of possessions he was in, I was like, oh, easy baskets. And they didn't, they didn't, I don't think they scored until like the second, or, the third or fourth possession with Anderson in, but you're still. But then it went all over. And mm-hmm. then just like on the flip side, when David West was in in game five, and Chris Paul just, just got sh- Yeah, it was eight straight possessions. I mean, I think that's very interesting because David West is a nice player. So is Ryan Anderson, but mm-hmm. it has to be in the right situation. Exactly. It falls down to situational. I think that's kind of what goes back to Thompson. So I think Thompson will be a huge role in the finals. This is, um, just being more physical than the Warriors, because I think that's the only way they can... The Warriors don't like to bang, yeah. Yeah, that's the only way the Cavs can steal a game here and there, is just making it ugly. Yep. You know? Um, but going back to Horford... Well, we, like, we've seen guys kind of struggle in that role, like where they're they're better, they're really good players, and but they're not... They're not good enough to be anything more than like that super fill in the blanks guy, like uh, like Scottie Pippen in Portland. Like they came, they you know they went deep in the playoffs, but when it really came down to it in that Lakers series, just couldn't quite seal it because he's just not that guy. Yeah, and then obviously when he was in Chicago, he's the greatest Robin the, to a Batman there is. I love Scottie Pippen though. <laughs> I've, it hurts me to bag on Scottie Pippen. <laughs> But I mean, you got you, know, you got other guys in the play, or excuse me, in the league like that. Just like like Hayward, I feel like is one of those guys. That's part of the reason I feel like he left Utah. That's just speculation. But I don't know if he wanted to be that guy. Like Millsap, crazy talented, does a lot to help help a team, but not 
you know, not capable of being the, the lead. Yeah, the it's, uh, I, think, I think that's very interesting because Horford, um, I think, will fit seamlessly into being with Irving and Hayward. I think. Oh yeah, the Horford the ideal fit. situation for Horford is just to do all the little things, contribute, you know, blocks, rebounds, good defense, move the ball, but not have to be the focus. They basically tried to use, you know, Tatum in that. Kyrie role in spurts and it was effective at times but I mean you can't expect that out of a rookie at that point in his career obviously I mean yeah he was sensational for <laughs> he should have um, taken like 30 shots a game I mean yeah he was very well I think it's interesting it's been kind of Ben Simmons versus Donovan Mitchell but I feel like Tatum's definitely kind of become a dark horse and a lot more of a player in that conversation well first of all it's obviously true but at the same time, like, he, he was behind, you know, Kyrie played a lot for the first half of the season, right? So he could kind of sit behind him. If, if he would have been thrown into that role from the beginning, like uh, like Simmons and Mitchell were, because from the get-go of the season, they were, you know, shouldering a huge load for the team, whereas, uh, excuse me, Tatum was only doing that, like, in flashes. And then after all the injuries happened, then he took on a bigger role. But I don't feel like he, he didn't really have as many moments as, as Simmons and Mitchell where he just, like, took over the game. Which I, I feel like would hurt. I him. agree with you there, and I guess technically it is a regular season award, and I I would still I don't know I I think it's gonna be co rookie of the years. I really the more I, I look at that, hope so, but I, I really I doubt it. I think everyone's too infatuated with positionless basketball and the new Magic Johnson and all that nonsense. The number five best player in the NBA. Shouts to know. Colin Coward. Yes. So. <laughs> Number, oh the guy gosh. who didn't make a single three in the year, but very, there he goes. I mean, he's a he's like, a great player. He's going to be very, very good, special. But what was your what was your point with Tatum? I think just his play. He's made a case to be in there. I, like before the, before the playoffs, I wouldn't even put him in the category. I I think he was just kind of that shoe in third automatically, but I think he's definitely elevated his game. And Kuzma, I think Kuzma honestly had like was about level with Tatum at the end of the season. I agree. I think he's just playing in those big stages and delivering in those big stages. I mean, obviously they didn't down the stretch, and that's the reason they lost. But I think having those moments, he's gonna end up being a very. I was I was not high on Tatum around the time of the draft, but. You know, that's looking like a bad take now, obviously. But but at the same time, Simmons was really, really good in the Miami series. Not great against he Boston. Was he was not great against he Boston. Um, well, I think Mitchell, Mitchell was fantastic against Oklahoma City. Like, I'm going to tell my grandkids years from now. Like, I, remember, <laughs> I remember when I saw the Donovan Mitchell game, like, we're going to refer to it as the Donovan Mitchell game. I don't feel like there was a Jason Tatum game, if that makes any sense. Yeah, um, but what I think about Jason Tatum is he's made – himself like untradeable oh yeah um i think he like i think they move hayward or jalen brown before they move jason tatum at this point. i think it'd be wise to move jalen brown honestly yeah if they're going to get I, their I best waffle. value for jalen brown oh, it will yeah. be now i waffle um, on jalen brown a lot, and, but I, someone was telling me i think this is a very interesting point is boston is playing with house money with hayward i mean they yeah. got him for they didn't have to give up anything for Hayward, and they could get a piece for him. I mean, I don't know how his value would be in this market. I think I would, if I was a GM, I'd rather have Jalen Brown at this point. 
Um, I, think I, take Hayward. I think I take Hayward. I mean, depends on where your team, depends where on where your team's team. at. I, like the closer you are to Phoenix, com- the closer you are to competing, then obviously the more you're gonna want. Hayward, yeah, if I, I was the Phoenix Suns, I would want Jalen Brown. I wouldn't say I'd trade the number one pick for him because no. DeAndre Ayton's going to be a monster. Special. Uh, I mean, he's gonna dominate the league in five years. I really believe that. Once I, LeBron retires, once LeBron retires, it'll be very interesting. Um, but. So I think something we disagree on when we've talked about is um, are the players to blame for finishing it for the way the Celtics just flop down the stretch or is that more coaching? I mean, Brad Stevens, I well, we, think we, is... We spent, like not you and me, but just people in general, spent the entire playoffs and most of the regular season just gushing over Brad, Brad Stevens. And deservedly so because he did a really good job. Like No one can argue that. But then I... In the six, especially in the second half, but just in all of Game Seven, the Celtics' offense was just just bad. Like it looked like it reminded me of watching Arizona play tournament basketball. <laughs> I, I mean, I get victimized by Arizona every year because every year I'm like, oh, they have so much talent, and then sh- they just can't put it together. They, they just yeah, look, look so bad. Year. Look at this year, oh they have by far even, the most talent. They I don't even play. want to talk they, about it. They the best person is Anthony Davis in college, and they lose in the first round. Ridiculous. Twenty five. Ridiculous. I mean, yeah. See, but, but then there was like they didn't run sets. They didn't because you know they had like the hustle that they've always had, which is I feel like that's instilled by Stevens. But then there, I mean, and teams usually struggle executing at the end of games, anyways. But Stevens sort of recognized like, okay, we don't have the horses to just play ISO ball. Like, how are we going to get good shots? And they didn't get good shots down the stretch, I feel like. Well, and see, I think it was more of the moments overwhelmed them because it it was different between road and home. At home, they were a lot more organized. And on the road, they were away. While in Game 7, they played a lot more like they were on the road. And so I feel like it can't be Brad Stevens' fault. He can only put them in so much situations. Like, look at um, when Rogier down the stretch, he got – that rebound. And well, that's not Stevens putting him in a situation. He wasn't like, Terry, go stand over there and get the rebound, though. Because that was off. Because I think okay, that was off. I like, know what you're saying. Because that was off a free throw, and then Smart got the rebound because that's just what he does. And then I think he passed it out to Morris. Morris missed a three. And then Rozier got the rebound, dribbled into the corner, and bricked his 15th three of the game or whatever. Okay, that, that's fair. I'll, I'll give you that one. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just saw the Celtics and it was just like it just seemed so disorganized. And as a coach, since you're not literally on the floor, you have to just organize your team in like your huddles, your timeouts, calling plays, whatever you want to do. But was it out of the timeout where Jalen Brown took that horrible three with a minute left? Yeah. Uh, or I, either way, there had there had been a dead ball like shortly before they, that, or like maybe the looked, Cavs were shooting free throws. Or something. I think they looked very young. I feel like they were just out of it, like they had just talked, and then all of a sudden it was. They were shooting threes. It looked like the Houston Rockets trying to catch up. There was like a crazy step back. And they had so much right time wing. left, and that's kind of what led to the... Like, it was, it was a seven-point game when Brown took that three. If they get a good shot, even if it was just like a layup, cut it, cut it to five with a minute left, like you can, you still oh, have a chance in that game. Do. That's three more possessions. I mean, you get. still have to stop LeBron a couple of times, so they're probably yeah. screwed anyways, but, but it's they had a, a chance. Game. It's a different <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, the it's math different. is different. So... I don't know. So maybe we can go. Brad Stevens wasn't able to overcome the Celtics' youth. Okay, that's fair. That's a that's a little middle ground. <laughs> I like that. Um, but regardless of coaching, um, I think throughout seven games, LeBron just kind of wore the Celtics down. I think that's probably what made him crumble. Honestly, maybe more than the coaching is just they're just like we. This dude just won't stop. I yeah he's. He, I mean I mean I'm I'm one of the most devoted LeBron haters you'll find, but just like that last layup. 
where Morris was just hanging all over his back. That just embodied the series for me, honestly, because it was just LeBron like, screw all of you, I don't care, I'm winning the series. Yeah, I I thought I was very impressed because I went into the game thinking I was going to root for the Celtics, and then just as the game goes on, I found myself just rooting, oh, come on, Jeff Green, literally (laughs) knock down that corner three. You just got swayed by Jeff Green's Hoya magic. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. (laughs) We'll never know. But... (laughs) But it was just all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I, I'm cheering for Cleveland. I didn't even know it. Like, my brain was like, I want Boston to win while Kyrie and um, Hayward are out because I'm not a fan of either of those guys. Um, and that would be really cool to see team basketball, see a team like that win it. Um, but, yeah, and then all of a sudden, it was like, okay, let's go Cleveland. Rise up! I don't even know what they're yeah, It's whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, rise That's up. That's their, their hashtag yeah. for this year. Whatever it takes. No, see, see, see us rise as Boston's, which I hated, but <laughs> whatever. I'm not great at social media. And so, but looking at what LeBron did this series, I mean, we've had a couple of close calls. I mean, if they don't, if they call that goaltending, they're sitting on the couch in early April. Oh, the one on Oladipo. Oh, on Oladipo, oh, that yeah. was infuriating. I mean, they're sitting on the couch in early April, but what LeBron has done, I mean, I think with any season, you catch breaks here and there, and they kind of balance themselves out eventually. Mm-hmm. But um, what he's done, I think, is at least in my mind, one of the most incredible playoff things I've seen in my lifetime. Um, can you think? Of, I think I know where you're gonna go with this playoff performance. Well, so let's uh, we'll get to mine in a second. Which which is more impressive out of this playoff run for LeBron or 2007? I think it's this one by far. I mean, it, of course, he has Eric Snow and Drew Gooden and stuff. Well, that 2017, what people don't realize is they played good defense. This team did not play good defense almost like for the whole season. So I'd say this one was more impressive than Yeah, that. and I think it's also um, year 15 versus technically he's supposed to be in his prime in 2008 what was year six or five or six and then here he's in year 15 still doing the same That's he's true. a better player yeah that was that was a lot easier uh, a lot easier to resolve than i thought it would be <laughs> i i so now we gotta we gotta fight over this one i think but the 2001 Allen iverson that finals run that was fantastic it was good like i was looking up at the stats this morning and AI averaged 33 a game during that run. And, and you got to remember, LeBron is built for to dominate, like physically oh, I, speaking. Whereas Allen Everson's like, Allen Everson is listed as like six foot or six one. He's like 5'10. <laughs> There's no way he's taller than And I think I can agree with you. It's pound for pound. Allen Everson probably has one of, the, one of the most talented players. No, he's the seen. most talented <laughs> player. I will fight you. Okay. <laughs> well, we can debate that during the long summer haul. Um, but yeah, Eric McKee was his next leading scorer with 14 a game. And he had like Dikembe Mutombo's coffin dragging around on the court. <laughs> Yeah, and so I, I mean, think that was really they both they both you know made it through really crappy Eastern conferences. Well, I mean, and I think the, that year is very reminiscent of this year. I mean, the West was stacked, and the, basically, like you knew whoever came out of the West was going to win yeah, before and, the playoffs even started. And I think um, I I think like it's similar in Vegas odds is like the Cavs are like ten to one or yeah, the Vegas, more than ten the, to one whatever. I they opened to like which, but it's Warriors open to like minus twelve hundred. <laughs> yeah, so it's ridiculous, and I think that was the last time it's been this big. Was that yeah. was it? This, it was oh one oh one, yeah oh one series with the Sixers. end of that three peat for the the Lakers. Yeah, and then um, 
I thought of a couple I thought of. I think um, not quite to the extreme virus in, but these are guys that actually won the championship. I'm going to just say Dirk, what Dirk did. Dirk in, in 2011. In 2011, I think it was very impressive. And that was one of the great glue guy teams too, though, because they had like J.J. Barea. He's not really a glue guy, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like utility Jason players. Jason, old Jason Kidd. I love old man Jason old Kidd. Old man Jason Kidd. Jason Sean Marion. Sean like 27 in game seven. I mean, he was... He kind of helped. It was one of those awkward yeah. guys, but they had that star. They had that centerpiece that well, showed Dirk up. Dirk just played out of his mind. Yeah, I, he averaged twenty six a game in two thousand, and that was like four more points I, a I game than he averaged. He didn't miss a shot. Yeah, that was four more points a game he averaged than he did the season. That's a good one. I forgot about that. Yeah, Which um, is funny because I use that series against LeBron literally every other day. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, well that that's kind of the debate on LeBron that will continue. It's a sticking point. We, with we can. We don't want to keep people well, yeah. here forever. Eight and a half people listening to us. But shouts to you guys. But um, and I think this is a player that we always forget about. You know, um, was the 2003 Tim Duncan. That's a good one. I mean, the next leading scorer I think that year was it was Tony Parker averaging 15 a game. Um, I mean, he, and of pe- course he had a great supporting cast around him. But well, I don't, I, think I don't know people. Extent- I don't think that was still in development at that point. For sure, I mean, it was past. It was, David Robinson was what thirty-seven years old, a billion years old. Yeah, and um, well, people overvalue like I think Ginobili and Parker because they've both been good players. No, no doubt. But Ginobili didn't make his first All NBA team till two thousand seven, and it was a third team. Parker made a third team in two thousand nine. So like those guys weren't the guys that we remember them as back then. I don't. Oh well, yeah, and the, like in two thousand five when they won when they came back again because. Duncan never repeated, and I think that's like the one knock on Tim Duncan. He's never was able to repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ever he led the NBA in the playoffs in both points and rebounds, averaging twenty four and nine, which I think is incredible. I mean, I put that down as that could have been, but Manu did average twenty in that. So, so that was his coming he, out party. Yeah, but you go but back then, he, he was, was like averaging eight, and I mean, he was he wasn't he's a part of it. Weirdo with greasy kind of, hair. He was, in the, he was in that <laughs> development stage, you know. He hadn't yeah. really taken the reins. It was Malik Rose and Stephen Jackson <laughs> and Bruce Bowen hitting people with tire irons. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and so I think a lot of that burden found Tim Duncan. Um, yeah, he way had, more than people realize. Honestly, yeah, I, I forgot about that. Season. I mean, his stat line for I mean, two thousand three for two thousand three was twenty five points, sixteen boards. And five assists in the playoffs. In the playoffs, in the, right? play, in the That's playoffs, insane. yeah. Which is crazy. I think, yeah. Um, I'll have to double check this. It was either in the play. No, I'm pretty sure it was in the playoffs or the finals. Either, either way. way, it's ridiculously <laughs> impressive. Yeah, and so he was literally carrying the shell of what was David Robinson <laughs> on his back, and then Tony Parker was still a young lad, fourteen, <laughs> who was just getting out of France, who was just getting into it. And that's a good one. Man. I, that's uh, that is one that I I would say is comparable in a different sort of way. That's like that's like just outside of that top tier. The top tier being obviously these two LeBron seasons, the Allen Iverson run, and then I feel like Duncan's right under that. Duncan. So Duncan. you have all been educated today by <laughs> Professor Marshall. Um, yeah, but I think that leads into our next thing is with LeBron having to do all this work. Um, what is he? What is he gonna do this next season in this offseason? What are you- I think he's gonna I think he's gonna kinda pull a KD in that uh KD went to the Warriors because he saw like, oh it's the best basketball situation for me. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as self respect so- and public perception go, terrible move, but 
But because um, you know LeBron came back to Cleveland, he wrote that whole little essay and like I know I want to bring a championship to Northeast Ohio, which I mean that was actually pretty cool. Like I hate LeBron, but that was cool. Which, right. So I feel like this after carrying this Cavs team this year, especially, but even over these last four years, I feel like he's going to go somewhere where like I don't have to do everything all the time. Just somewhere where it's the best basketball situation for him. Well, because I think at this point in this in his career, it's all about chasing MJ, right? Mm, yeah, but I think at it, the same time, like we always hear about how he wants to to you know be a businessman after, and he, well, wants, I, he has all that stuff. So, like I don't know how which one of those is more important. To which him, more? Because I think if he had any sort of relationship with Dan Gilbert, he would stay <laughs> for his legacy. But I think what. Um, this is well, he, he said, this didn't, didn't he say, like, it was like a, within the last year or so, or maybe it was this season, he said, like, I don't know, I don't owe Cleveland anything because he said, oh. I'm coming back here to win a championship and he won a championship. Oh, so. yeah, he did. And I, I don't think no anyone, blamed, for him to I don't think anyone blames him for that. And I think at this point, if he leaves, um, I think they should be okay with it. Yeah, it'd be okay. I mean, Cleveland has four bad contracts in Thompson, J.R. <laughs> Smith, George Hill, Arjun. Well, They're, Thompson and J.R. Smith are LeBron's doing. LeBron, uh, LeBron is bad. For, is bad for institutional stability. Just, oh. just to throw it oh, out. Oh, that there. I think that's one hundred percent true, and it's, I think that's why some teams might be hesitant on taking him because all of a sudden this guy's coming in, and you're not, unless you're willing to risk that. I mean, I, I mean, if, if Cleveland had it to do over again, I'm sure they do the same thing because they got a ring out of it. I think but. a lot of it. I think a lot of teams would still do that just to get that one ring. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking like it, I don't think Boston would ever want him. I don't think saying that's a place. But um, what I was hearing, I was listening to Chris Broussard, not my favorite reporter, but he has kind of he has been spinning this a while, and I'm starting to buy into it. <laughs> if LeBron is um, willing to become off the ball more during the end of his career. Philly's the best option, best oh, basketball for sure. choice for him. For sure. And I don't know how I feel about that. Yep. Well, on, looking at it from Philly's perspective, I don't know if you want to mess with the Simmons and Bead dynamic. Like you want those, those guys to grow together, being like the alpha dogs. You don't. Think and if I was Embiid, I'd be like, screw you. Like, this is my team. Like, I want to be the guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it'd be LeBron would have to take more of a mentoring role. In a way, like, does he want to do that though? I don't know. So I feel like, like he would want to do that. I mean, if he's, I think it's more what's important. If, it, if business and what's more important to LeBron is that, I think he goes to LA. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if basketball winning championships and getting being able to match Mike and getting championships, I think he has to go to Philly, Philly or Houston. Although it'd be <clears throat> it'd be so hard for Houston to add him, but yeah, I think Houston could. will be. And I don't think Houston's that reliable because Chris Paul is out. 80 games a year, and I mean, it's not that up-and-coming thing. True. And there are Phillies, Phillies. I now. mean, Philly has that one ball-dominant guy in Simmons. Houston already has two. That's true. And that's on a third one. It, it's a, That's a good point. I had not thought yeah, of that. Yeah, so I, I feel like I, people I really are taking that into account. I Kendall bringing the, this fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always, always. <laughs> come accustomed to that. Um, yeah, so I think it's either L.A., he stays in Cleveland, or Philly, I, I think that's I can't. Come down to I can't team. imagine him staying in Cleveland. I think it would be tough, but I've I predicted fourteen. I've I looked at fourteen million six hundred possible outcomes, and only one of them has him staying in Cleveland. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I well, just made a Marvel reference. I hate myself. <laughs> I, I apologize. I apologize to the three of you that are still left. <laughs> <laughs> and so let's go. Let's speaking of Cleveland. 
how much of a chance do you think they have in pulling off this miraculous slaying of the giant in Golden State? Uh, do, do you like baseball? <laughs> baseball's going on right now, too. <laughs> I feel like baseball's more, even for even for all you baseball haters out there, I feel like that's more intriguing than uh, than the Cavs' chances at this point, honestly. Because yeah. if you think about it, the Cavs are worse than last year because they don't have Kyrie, and the Warriors are... You know, more or less the same team as last year, and we saw what happened. So subtract Kyrie and like what what's left. That's very true. I mean, I do want to make the point that Kyrie did lose Game Four for him. Um, I game I four's mean, the game they won. Okay, Game Three, whatever. There was a couple in there at Cleveland that you just saw Cleveland. You just saw Kyrie. You're like, what are you doing? He went James Harden on. On he took a ton of bad shots. Um, just wasn't. That's kind of what you get with Kyrie though, and he makes a lot of those. He does. I. Okay, fine. You win. <laughs> no, you. Win. I wasn't trying to disprove it. I was just. I was playing devil's advocate because it's a fun thing to do. But he did. You're right. He did to some degree take him out of out of some. Games, and I would much rather take take the negative with Kyrie and have Kyrie than yeah, not yeah. have Kyrie. That's, well, that's what I'm saying. Is like, okay. <laughs> what the the net is still a huge. The net with losing Kyrie is still a huge loss. Oh, I agree. So I guess the next question is: Is it a sweep? It, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I wouldn't be. LeBron I think, will probably I think put it's up gotta like be a, a gentleman Le, sweep. LeBron will probably put up like a 40, 15, 12 or whatever. But I don't know. Yeah, I think I think they'll find a way to get one game. OG's Golden State will just throw them a bone in a way. Golden State will just take a night off or something. One night Cleveland like, will be hot, and Golden State will be like, okay, we'll rest up for the next game, something and, like that. Yeah, I think that I think that's the only way of stealing it. So. I mean, this is supposed to Although, be... Although, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I'm just trying to stir the pot, honestly, with this. But <laughs> I can see, I can kind of see, like, a, a couple... The Cavs coming out with this mentality, like, no one's giving us even a snowball's chance in hell of, of even winning a game and just being uber-physical, just, like, trying to drag basketball 20 years backwards. I can see them winning a couple games like that just out of sheer, like, F these guys. I mean, I hope that's what happens. For interest's I... sake, I do, I do hope that happens as well. Yeah, I hope that happens so that we don't so, have to figure out ways to keep this <laughs> series intriguing. I mean, what are we gonna do when we're gonna have a we're gonna have a one game should be decided by a, a game of horse between J.R. Smith and Nick Young. I mean, see, that's something I tune into, and right now I'm struggling why to tune into game one because I really think game one is gonna be a blowout. A blowout, yeah. Game one's gonna be game maybe it'll be close for like the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, kind of with the or the. I so mean, best, so honestly, like point victory for the Warriors. Best I, case scenario for the Cavs is they win one game just based on hot shooting alone. They win one game just like with pure grit and attitude and all those other things that white NBA players possess. Uh, <laughs> do they get anything other than that? I really don't think. Like right now, I'm looking up I'm to like, see what movies are coming. I know. Out I'm trying weekend. to talk myself into into this being a good series. I mean, Ocean but, Eight comes out June eight, so that's. Two weeks away. I saw the trailer um, for that the other day. I thought it looked pretty good. <laughs> I mean, this is sponsored by Ocean's 8. We'll just let that know. We, we've mentioned it enough. We'll expect a royalty. Well, we've, we've most, I've mentioned Ocean's 11. Right. So, the Ocean series, I guess. Is it, I supposed to be, is it supposed to be like connected to the... I have no idea. I, I kind of don't think so. I don't think it is either, but it's named Ocean's 8. In there. So. Oh, by the way, everyone, I've been mentioning Ocean's 11. I mean the new one with... You know, in case you couldn't figure that out, because there is an old one with like Sinatra and the Rat Pack or whatever, but I'm not about that. Um, I'm looking June 1st, the Misandris, 71% on the tomato meter. The what? 
Um, it looks like it's a mystery, thriller, and comedy. Wait, wait what oh, is it even called? It's though? a foreign film. So you guys, so guys, we're gonna be watching <laughs> um, Golden State beat down on Cleveland this weekend. No, no matter what, there's nothing else to do. I guess you can go see. You can watch. You can watch the Stanley Cup if you're interested in giant, long, stupid pregame displays. So <laughs> screw you, Vegas. Hope you lose. Well, I was like, I, I, I enjoy. Here, hold on. Here's the thing. I enjoy hockey. Every time I watch hockey, I'm like, this is great. I gotta get into this. And then when I have a chance to actually watch it, like during the regular season in the NHL, I'm like, I can't even make myself care. <laughs> and I, and I, I realize this is why it is because I only watch hockey, I only watch the Stanley Cup Finals, and then like the Olympic gold medal game. So you're watching the highest stakes possible with the best talent. So it's like, oh, it's this fantastic product, but it's not like that all the time. That's why I can't get into hockey. It's okay. like respect That's, the hockey; it's fun to watch. But what, what kills me about hockey is the two half times. I can't get over just that. Skip, just skip the first period and there's like <laughs> okay. half time. It's okay. like watching college basketball. There you go. That's how I look at it from this point. But yeah, on. I was I was uh, I was torn on my rooting interest because I I've never watched a game and not cheered for someone, and I was gonna go for Vegas, and then I you know I tuned in at six o'clock for the start of game one, and you know there was ten minutes of a little pregame buzz, you know the pregame show, which was fine, and then they started it and they did their whole like little knights and castle Game of Thrones skit, and I was like, wow, this is stupid, and then it just kept going, and it was just so corny, and I was like, I wish doom on this team now. So, you've made so, an enemy Las Vegas. Go DC, huh? Go, go Caps. All about Ovechkin. All about Ovi. And, and his, that's about... Oh, and his four teeth. Yep, and that's about all I know about hockey. <laughs> I mean, I can't give you too much insight there. Well, we got uh, Red Sox-Astros this weekend, I believe. Red Sox, best record in the league, so that's all that matters there. Well, I think um, that's another future playoff. That could be. We got... I'm scared of them, honestly. Their uh, pitching, <laughs> their pitching staff is fantastic. Oh, their bullpen's not great, but their starters are murderous. It'll be interesting, I think. But yeah, pretty much locked up. That's a good. That'll be a good series. Good barometer for the current best team in baseball, <laughs> best record in baseball. Mm, well, I think we got to wrap this up real quick. What's your uh, What's your headline for next week? Um, next week's headline: Cows down. How many games are they playing? <laughs> 2-0. Uh, 2-0, whatever it is. 2-0. Um, we're gearing up for the NBA draft. There's going to be a lot of DeAndre Ayton talk. A lot of Luka Doncic. Yeah, people can say all they want about him. And if the Suns, for some reason, take him. See, most of the media guys are super high on Doncic. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know, know how you pass on him or Bagley. I mean, those you mean, two. You, you, don't mean, you mean pass on Oh, pass on Ayton or Bagley. I, I could maybe see Kachich taking Donka Kacic over over uh, Bagley, but definitely not Aiden. Yeah, uh, Bagley's that's, still that's, very raw, but yeah, I think that's for next time. That'll be something we can talk about down the road. About the combine. My headline is NBA Finals called after three games. Everyone just is so bored. <laughs> and they have to figure out a way to... I don't know. I just like the series just feels like such a bummer, honestly. Yeah, it's for the climactic part of this NBA season. It's kind of it's been because like, like it's been down. a pretty good playoffs. Like last year's playoffs sucked. I feel like I agree. But like this yeah, year, we got a, series, this year we got a couple good series. Yeah, I know. Boston Milwaukee was fun. The Western Conference got better from Game Five. Um, I feel like I don't know. There's been a lot of blowouts. Like the series have been has been very one sided. I feel back and forth. Well, so I feel like some of the scores were close in the. Houston Golden State series, like from Game Three on or Four on, all the series were closer than the final score. That makes okay. any sense. All the yeah, games I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so Other yeah. headlines. 
I think that's about it. We'll wrap it up. You can yeah, go check us out at sidelinedynasty.com. We don't have anything new up other than this podcast. But I mean, it's just the two of us writing this. We are wanting to bring in some interns, some, some un- unpaid, unpaid interns. interns. If it makes you feel any better, nobody is paid at our, our little company at I this mean, point. We're a nonprofit right now. <laughs> All our profits go to charity. I mean, we, we lose money as a company <laughs> at this point. But, but we're working on it. We're uh, looking for sponsors, except State Farm. (laughs) So all state, if you're out there, hit us up. Uh, Yeah, this is Real Neil with Pipes of Steel signing off for Sha Dynasty. That's S-H coming to the top of Dynasty. That's God's comment.